Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to this month's GPS Training Podcast. It's a slightly different podcast this month. It's our 46th episode. When I started this podcast back in 2017, I was very keen to be just the presenter on it. I wasn't wanting to be a part of it, just ask the questions and learn more um, both for myself and also for the listeners. But after 45 episodes, the microphone is finally going to be turned around on myself. Um, and I'm going to be receiving the questions rather than giving the questions. As many of you may know, last weekend um, I penciled in my diary to walk the Northumberland coastal path 62 miles in total to raise money for two local charities. My aim was to walk it in 24 hours. So at this point I'm going to hand over to a great friend of mine, uh, Paul Freeman. Paul's been on the podcast in the past, um, has been on doing a number of events and walks and talked us through it. Um, And it was Paul's idea, he said, I should come on the podcast and interview you about what you've just done so welcome Paul and it's quite hard for me to hand over the reins of uh, the GPS training podcast after all this time to somebody so I'm going to sit back and wait <laughs> so welcome Paul and thanks uh, for doing this thank for you me. John thank you for inviting me and I'm really excited to be here and to be able to talk to you about this walk um, I can't wait I must quickly say before you start, actually, I can't give it guy. Um the, the one we did where we talked about the rescue, people haven't got about but a link to those where we talk about what to do if something went wrong. A number of people I've spoken to on course and things said, what a great podcast that great. was. They really got a lot out of it. And oh, that's brilliant. The people, brilliant. Random people said, Paul was really good on that. Tell us what we should be doing. So, yeah, thanks for that. And, now, uh, if that helps a few people, um, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Right, okay, over to you, Paul. Okay, so John, you've mentioned your personal challenge there and um, your attempt to raise money. How much money did you raise in the end for those two charities? So far, we've raised just over £6,000. The two charities are Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue, which I know you are Mm -hmm. a very important part of, and uh, North Northumberland Hospice. With the two charities that we raise money for under Shepherd's Walks, which is our parent company, and with everything that's going on this year, I thought, let's see if I can personally step up to the goal and raise some of the money that we would have raised with some of our other events that we run. That's absolutely fantastic, John. And I know myself, um, having raised money uh, last year during the, the spine race, that often that does give you a focus. But I'm also curious to know what else was motivating you to do this. It can't just simply be about raising money. Do you know, it's it's quite moronic isn't it really you know we all start at the beginning of the year and think i'm going to do something different this year you know or the end of the year we have this crisis and we all drink too much we all eat too much we say what are we going to do differently and i kind of thought myself you know i'm going to do something that i've I've interviewed so many people i've spoken to so many people who've done these events have done big walks i want to do something like this and do something different but it was then the journey to get to that stage. So actually, it wasn't a case of I'm going to put my walking boots on and walk 62 miles down the Northumberland coast because actually I couldn't do it. So therefore, I set myself some targets um, to train up to that. So I kind of thought, right, how do I get myself to that stage? What process do I go through to get there? So I need to get fit straight away. I'm already reasonably fit, but I need to get super fit. So I targeted was I'm going to climb the 20 highest peaks in Northumberland mm-hmm. so I set about starting um, beginning of this year climbing the 20 highest peaks in Northumberland and then I thought right I've got some fitness there right I now need to um, get 
walking how fast can I walk so I started walking around Kielder which people know in this area is 26 miles so I'll go on a after Friday after work and go and walk 26 miles see what speed I can walk at get some poles see if I can walk any quicker walk at night time you know work out what I could do what my speed was and then walk off 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 road as such which Kielder's quite a path um you know walk in the hills at night time and just trying to understand so just build myself up right up to you know lose a bit of weight you know lose a stone then that makes it easier so there's this whole process to get me to this stage and i mean that's probably you you've motivated me quite a bit on the way because i mean paul quite a bit when i'm out in the evenings and whatever he's like, have you done it yet go oh no i've got this on i've got this on well it's pretty diary done just do it and you did actually say at one point you no know, even if you do it and fail at least you've done it and to be honest mm. that i kind of went all right well well, that's what I do at the end of October and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, I'm a great believer in that, that yeah. uh, it's never wasted the learning no. on that journey. And I thought that at the stage because I thought we put with the COVID lockdown and everything that's happened, I put so much effort into it. I was originally hopefully to do it in May time, and then it was August. Mm. I thought, am I either going to do this or have wasted <clears throat> literally hours of my life you no know, getting ready for it and never actually doing it? Absolutely fantastic, John. So obviously you prepared yourself physically and you've mentioned there a little bit about some of the the kind of mental preparation. Uh, did you find at any point in the training there, there were points where you had to kind of go through a barrier, not just a physical one, but a mental and an emotional one as well when you're thinking about covering that type of distance? I always, I had I had to break it down. I couldn't think I'm going to walk 62 yeah. miles because mentally you just physically can't do it. So I always broke it down. You know, before he came along, I was just looking at the planning sheet. You saw the planning sheet I put. I broke the path into 12 yeah. to 15 mile stages. And that was, I'm going to get through this section. I also did that during the walk, my training as well. So I kind of write, I'm going to walk 26 miles at four miles an hour. And I'm going to stop for 10 minutes for my tea. But actually going back to you know, during that, people just see the, the glamorous side of you finishing and doing it. But you know yourself, mm. there's times where you no know, 18 miles around Kielder, my mm. ankle gave and I stood there going, God, this is this is ridiculous. Like, mm. I, I'm, I, how am I going to walk sixty-two miles? Because I can't even walk past eighteen miles without mm. my ankle going. And therefore, you go through those barriers. But then you go through the high points and low mm. points. And even, you know, during your training, you can come back after a, you know, a twenty-six mile walk, and you've got two blisters. You think, how am I going to do sixty miles? Two miles? If I get two blisters after twenty-six miles? So mentally, you kind of prepare yourself, and you learn what you should be doing. You learn how how you, you know, eat quickly. How you check your feet quickly, how you get your blister plasters on quickly and just keep working through it. And that was the whole mm. learning process. Right down to my last training walk, I did 26 miles, no three weeks before I did it down the Northumberland coast. No, started off at four o'clock at night, finished at 10, half 10 at night. And that was the only time I finished and went, I can do this. Because actually I knew that I wanted to carry on. There was no, there was, there was I could have carried on and done another X number of miles. And that's when I knew I was ready to do it. Well, we'll talk more about what actually happened during the walk in a moment. Um, but you didn't do it on your own for all of the route, did you? You had you had a family member walk with you, and you also had some support as well. Yeah, tell us about that. And that kind of worked in two ways, really. So, kind of when you say you're going to do this, I kind of really wanted to do it on my own. I mm. wanted my own pace and all my training on my own. Didn't Lois, my daughter, was a little bit with me um, um, training. Um, but not, not very far, you know, she would start off and go off and walk the dog, then I would carry on or whatever. Um, and the people say, oh, I want to come and walk with you. I was a bit unsure, because I've been through this preparation, I know what I need to be doing, and, and these people are going to hold me back in the greatest respect you know, to them, is, are they going to do it? So um, 
I had a, a great friend called Rebecca from Hospice Care North Northumberland walked the first 12 miles with me, so did my daughter Lois. Um, and then I had a, a couple of friends who walked with me um, um, during the night and this kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that was a good way in some ways and bad ways. But I must say, a, a good friend walked the last seven miles with me. A, a guy is actually very much in sport, actually works for Newcastle United and was an like ex-professional footballer. And um, I've not seen him for two or three years and he, he kind of jumped on and, and walked a, a bit with me. And so I, I really appreciated his mm. his professionalism in that. I kind of know him professionally and I know him and he kind of, he could see where I was suffering, where I wasn't suffering and he kind of kept me going on that. So there's some good people behind, but also they're going to push me a little bit harder than what I should have at points as well. Mm, okay. So what? tell us about the walk itself, John. So you started in Berwick, is that right? Yeah, Berwick-upon-Tweed. So we went up to Berwick-upon-Tweed. We started at half past nine and gave ourselves that 24-hour period. The wind was the wrong way that weekend. I don't know. As it is always. <laughs> so in hindsight, we started off with what we should be doing uh, south to north, but it'd be the way that you had done it in the past and mm. other people had done it in the past and it seemed the natural way to do yeah, it. Yeah, the natural way is to start uphill and work downhill. Which And also as well, the, the northern section of it, as you're aware, is kind of some clifftop walking. Mm. And, and I'll be honest with you, I hadn't walked the top section of Berwick and Tweed Town to Holy Island. I walked the rest of the sections a number of times. Mm. So I thought to have that at the start when yeah, I was fresh, yeah. um, easy to navigate and daylight would be yeah. great. When I hit the bottom section, I could kind of know reasonably well because we run a, a coastal yeah. challenge walk there every year. Um, so I know that area very well. So yeah, that was, the, that was the route. And then, as I said, I separated into sections to kind of tick off and meet people through. And um, as you walked along, John, what about navigation and what about some of the technology that you were carrying and using as well? Well, I use, of course, I'm going to use a GPS unit. So I've mm. got a Garmin GPS map 66i and I navigated with that. I kind of tested that. I've actually just put in the newsletter that's going out tomorrow. It's a Thursday recording this. Um, they, Garmin says it's got 36 hours of battery life on it. I was a quarter battery after walking with it for 23 hours. So I was very pleased by the way that performed and navigated it with me. I was very concerned in the darkness of how where I come off the beaches and things. Um, if, if people are aware when you're walking daylight, you know, if you're looking for that path, it's it's easy to find that path. Yeah, but if it's pitch yeah. dark, um, it usually it's not been too bad if you stay on the path. But once you're on a beach and you need to find where you come off that beach or and you can't see any sand dunes or anything. So I, I used it quite extensively. We were very lucky on the night because actually it was a, a full moon. Mm. So actually the visibility was the yeah. best of all my training walks. Mm. So I was very, very lucky. I also used my GPS to to, to um, measure my speed. I was very aware I need to keep certain pace up. So I was always keeping an eye on that to try and keep myself above the magical three miles an hour uh, for the majority of that walk. And then that gave me the confidence I could stop for a little bit longer as I got later on. Uh, during that walk, so navigate with my GPS. I created what's called a track, which is my um, which is what I navigated. So I had a silent navigation experience. I didn't want this thing beeping at me all the time. Um, I set it away, recorded where I'd been to give me my stats, and it and it kept me going. And I did, yeah, I did use it a lot. I did carry for the first twelve miles, which is the area I hadn't walked, a paper map. Um, just to navigate through Berwick, um, which I kind of knew reasonably well, but I just wanted that confidence. But to be honest, my first checkpoint at 12 miles, I put in my rucksack and never lifted it out again. Um, so I, I did have that as a backup, uh, but thankfully I didn't need it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things, isn't it? You don't want to be over-reliant on the technology in case it 
it no. collapses on you um, and you have to pull that paper map out and yeah. navigate the old-fashioned way. Yeah, so my good old Harvey map of the Northumberland Coastal yeah. Path and Berries Coastal Path, which yeah. is 100% waterproof and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a, it's a, and I like the Harvey maps anyway. Yeah, which is great. yeah completely fail-safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand you had some other technology with you that you were able to communicate with your support team. Yeah, so we use the, the spot. So I had the spot on my rucksack. So the spot tracker I used as a really a public uh, notifying so people could mm. see where I was at any one time because a, a few other people randomly dropped in to say hello. Mm. So I had the spot tracker. And then on the 66 hours, my GPS unit had the two-way satellite communication. So I used that really for my in-house communication. So with the support team and the people who were um, supporting me, I would communicate with them so that wasn't public knowledge. They could see where I was. Um, and they could get the messages to see where I was notifying them when I was a mile off coming into them so they could get anything ready. Because I was very aware my stops had to be very quick, no 10 minutes, 20 minutes. So it has to be prepared. There's no point in me wandering and going, hi, I'm here. Oh, we'll put the kettle on now and wait 10 minutes. Yeah. If I do that during my walk, I've suddenly lost half an yeah. hour, which is not the best. No. Um, so I use my, my Garmin two-way satellite communication for in-house communication and I use my spot tracker as my public um, location. Both of those, as you're aware, have SOS buttons on them. So if something did go massively wrong, I was kind of doubly covered there as well. And just um, as a side issue there, John, about things like spots and the Garmin, are you finding those becoming more and more popular with walkers? Yeah, and I, I personally gives me a lot of confidence. Mm. Again, it's a relatively easy walk down the coast, but when I'm doing my training walks, yeah. I did a lot of my training walks in January, February, March in really quite extreme conditions. In walking into the dark, it gave me that confidence and we kind of got a little bit of a routine of I would notify when I was going off my route, I would plan my route, leave that at home. And that was my my, my, my route I'd planned on Garmin Base Camp. And then if I was leaving that route, I came across um, a mm. diversion in a path or something. I had this little routine where I'd send a message to Jay, my wife, which one of my preset messages, I'm leaving my route. She would then, okay, she would get a notification of where that was. And then when I got back on my route, I would then send another message. So it just gave me the confidence that as I went through um, one of the forests up the valley or something here where navigation was quite hard, um, it gave me the confidence that somebody was there just in case something went wrong. And then I would be notified when I got back to the vehicle, quick message on the on the two-way satellite communication, I'm back. And then that kind of knows. And that, for me, in those early days, it kind of feels a bit pathetic now when you look back, but in those early days, that gave me the confidence on those 18, 20-mile walks where you were climbing three or four, you no, know, 2,000-plus uh, feet mountains um, in one go. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important, John. And I know myself now that when I'm out on my own in the hills, um, I will carry a spot tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think being part of Mountain Rescue, we're even more acutely aware of times when people don't leave any instruction at all about where they're going. And all we may have is a, an abandoned car in a car park and absolutely no idea where people are because they've not left word with anyone um even if that's just down to uh, a scribbled note somewhere so i think it's really important that um that people take things like that on board and we're not asking people to carry spot trackers but certainly to leave word of Mm-hmm. Tend to go. One of the other things that I noticed going back to my training was actually, which I learned quite quickly, is mm. when I was walking into the night to leave a note in my car, what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. Because one of the walks I did was I talk about Kiel, the Ramman Reservoir, and uh, this was just post lockdown one. 
and uh, I was just walking past across the dam at you know, half past 10, 11 o'clock at night and, and the waterboard van stopped. He says, is that your vehicle over there in the car park? He went, mm-hmm. yeah, he said, oh, brilliant, I can go home now. Yeah. And I went, all right. Well, I said, well, yeah. we can't really go home because actually, where is that person? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and he was great. He was, he was actually going back to Amity. He had a fair old drive back. Uh, mm-hmm. But that made me think, actually, I need to leave a note in the vehicle. I, I will be back at this time. This is what I'm doing. So people aren't stumbling across my vehicle and going, what's happened here? Yeah, I think that's true. And, and people don't realise that utility workers will do that kind of thing. And so will the police. Mm-hmm. If they find a car in a remote location, they will run the number plate mm-hmm. and see who it is and where they're from. Um, because... Um, we just don't know, you know, if that person's okay or not. Um, and quite often, then we get notification, or we've found an abandoned car, but you know, we've got absolutely no idea where to start looking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really good point: is is to leave notification. Um, Actually, in your vehicle. So, when somebody comes across it who you're not yeah, expecting absolutely. to, they know, right? Okay, yeah. he's out doing a night walk, training walk. Yeah. He's less. That's okay. He knows. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we've talked about navigation and technology you use there, John. Um, what about the highs and lows? Tell us about those. Highs and lows. Well, well, did you have any highs? Because no doubt you had some lows. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was better to eat as much as I could, really, for the first part of it. I think that was the uh, the, the highs, yeah. Mm. I think you know, that sheer adrenaline, you know, I, I really enjoyed, you know, the, I would say the first, um, I'd say the first 35, 40 miles, mm. I really enjoyed. You know, the, the first 12 miles walking with somebody else, I, I enjoyed, but I found that a bit frustrating because actually I wanted to walk at my own pace. The second 12 miles, it was still very wet, um, wet underfoot, and people know the coast path goes inland at that point, mm. so up um, you know, uh, around, between Belford, well, mm. it's Fenwick and Belford, yeah. um, it was quite hard, you no know, slippy, um, and that was that was quite, quite hard. And then going out to the coast, it was a bit cool as we hit Bamber. It went dark. I thoroughly enjoyed walking down the beach at Bamber. Full mm. moon was absolutely idyllic. Because again, everybody knows Bamber Beach is usually thronged with tourists. Well, I didn't see a soul. And then walking through, you see, I, I always love walking at night, walking through, you see houses, seeing all the people eating the fish and chips and you're going to way through this walk. Uh, and I enjoy, I've enjoyed walking at night time, that bit mm. of um, beating the world if that sounds mm. stupid yeah, you know yeah, where no. the rest of the world's asleep yeah, yeah. or drinking pints or wasting their lives yeah. away you're kind of marching through yeah, it and, yeah. and there's a real sense yeah. of satisfaction there yeah. um, I think the low point for me I, again I'm going to say I, I got into Owlmouth I was I was well ahead of schedule I, I'd, I thought I'd get half an hour sleep here and then I started off with two good friends and that section it was just a sort of section I think nine miles um, from Owlmouth to um, Amble that was hard it was hard I also um, was very hungry at that point. I because I was walking, they were walking quickly. I wasn't on my own. I was kind of didn't, didn't I kind of got off food by then. I kind of mm-hmm. was getting tired, and that my low point was you no know, literally seven miles before I stopped, and I actually stopped for two hours because I was absolutely exhausted. I know we spoke to this. I kind of I felt hypothermic. I was shaking. I was shivering. Yeah. I was really really cold. But actually, in hindsight, when you think back, this is now four o'clock in the morning. And all I had was one porridge pot since five o'clock at night. Mm. So no wonder, because I've, yeah. I've done a lot of distance yeah. and, and I still had half a packet of Harry Bowes in my pocket. I was just off food. I was, wasn't was drinking as I should have done. And I drank and felt better for it. Um, so those, that, was, that was my low, the high. 
I think high is finishing. I think the high is actually knowing that you could do it. Because mm-hmm. I suppose it's, it's the first time you've done something like this and you kind of go, can I do it? You have these doubts. No, you do have these doubts. No, and then you suddenly go, actually, I can do this, and actually, yeah. I'm doing it reasonably yeah. well. And why, yeah. why can't I do this? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, you you realise once you overcome the physical requirements of doing something like that, the rest of it's in your head. It is. It is just a mental barrier that you was are a, capable of doing a lot more than you think. I was amazed actually how I didn't think in a. I'm I'm a deep I'm quite a deep thinker. I've spent time on my own. I always think through things mm. in my life, things mm. do problems. But I kind of I've been doing a lot of training and not thinking about you no know, just just switching off. And uh, I read a lot of ebooks and this kind of thing. And and I've I read a lot about you no know, meditation, getting into the zone, just getting in that zone. And I was actually amazed that. I could get in that zone where I didn't think I didn't I didn't need to think what I'd done what was ahead of me I just was just walking and that was it you know I didn't I didn't think of the bigger picture I just walked and and switched off from it really yeah it's really interesting because I know uh, you know we ran into you briefly at Bambra just before you started on the boot section um, and I don't think I've ever seen you quite as focused as mm-hmm. you were when you left your support van then and in some respects, it was almost it was almost like there's no point even talking to him because he's just mm-hmm. you know it was going to be head down and forget everything else. Mm-hmm. So and that, that was, was really interesting to see that. In you. Yeah, I was the whole cause the whole thing is, you know yourself, you come across that stop. Yeah. You, you've got hours to think about it. So that yeah. was what you were thinking about, right? Yeah. I'm going. I'm coming across. I was determined not to stop. So I'm going to stop every. 12 miles, yeah. right, what is my process? Now, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about this, I think, right, I'm going to stop. Most important thing is my feet. First thing before I do anything, I need to see what my feet are like. You no know, shoes off, socks yeah. off, check my feet. If I've got plasters on there, blister plasters on there, replace my blister plasters if need be, Vaseline my feet up, fresh pair of socks. Thankfully, I'm in a sock business. <laughs> <laughs> fresh pair of my own socks on every time. Shoes back on, right? That's number one. That's, mm. That knows, that gives me the confidence that that little twinge I've been feeling for the last six, seven miles was actually nothing. I've, I've Vaseline my feet up, I'm ready to go. Next thing is food, right? I need to get my food in, etc., etc. And And it's that, it's like any long distance, this, Getting back down to basics of yeah, life, isn't yeah, it? What is yeah, the basics of, yeah. of you get through? And is that focused on, right, just go, just go, walk, walk, walk. I'm very, very lucky. I think I managed to keep the pace up because I, I actually gnawed it walked a lot of it. I don't people really realise that um, Jay, my wife, is an audit walking instructor. It's something I've kind of been around and, and, and during my training I took on a lot more about how I can keep that pace up. So therefore, if you see in pictures, I've got my poles on. I, I am very much Nordic walking. That's how I could be average. I, could, I was going down the beach to you know three and a half miles an hour, or even you no know, thirty, forty miles in, because that was the technique, the technique. I had. And and therefore, walking into the wind, I just lent in the wind and just just drove myself on. Really, um, yeah. So I think the focused, uh, <laughs> quite moronic. I, this is a very good book called Think Like a Monk. It's called mm-hmm. about. You know, I don't know if you heard it. It's like it's talking about breaking things down or putting mm. things into categories no is mm. is is that important it's not important is it really no putting everything in context really isn't mm. it yeah. and so on reflection john the two or three things that you've taken away from the experience what have you learned key thing is eating 
I think that's a key thing where I went wrong. I think I did very, very well for the first you know, 30 out 30 miles. I think I did disastrous for the last 30 miles. I don't know if that was my body just not working or whatever, but I just needed to need to keep eating, keep drinking. Also, I think as well, you know, I had this, I say going through that process, maybe obsessed, I need to check my feet, need to do this, need to do this. No, I should begin to checkpoints, no, and eating first, even though I was going to sleep. And the first thing I do is rehydrate, eat. Then never sleep my time, my body's got time to recover, where I was actually checking my feet, sleeping, and then getting up and eating. And then literally within six or seven minutes of me eating, I'm out walking again. Mm. So my body's not really, died. it's not recovering, is it? Um, from that so that would be the other way and I think as well I would pencil in maybe a few more stops for not eating cashew nuts or the trail food or whatever Um, and and making myself eat and drink as well I was amazed how little I started drinking and and I could see that (laughs) two days after my urine you can see actually how dehydrated dehydrated I actually was from the whole experience. Yeah, it's really interesting because I know when you interviewed me after the Spine Challenger, I mean, they they were the two things that I found most difficult and also I learned a lot from, and that was how how your appetite changes uh, and how you think you're drinking a lot, but Mm -hmm. actually you're not. And the thing I learned is um, that um, whatever you're drinking, drink twice as much. So if you normally take three mouthfuls, take six, because you're just not getting enough fluid mm-hmm. in general. Well, I think that no, the first, the first twelve miles, I had a hydration pouch in my rucksack yeah. with a, a tube. On. So I, I maybe drank half of that. I also drank. I had some big. I, lo- I love juice, so I had a, okay. like a, like squash freshly juice. I drank a big bottle of juice. At that point, at twelve miles, I put another bottle of juice in my rucksack. I carried to the end and never opened it. <laughs> just, I just never had the appetite yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah. So I actually drank more liquids in the first 12 miles than I did in the remainder <clears> of that walk, yeah. which is, abs- well, maybe not quite much, but maybe 50%, which is absolutely mad. Really, yeah, and then, you know, and we've both experienced it, and you've mentioned it as well, you know, you're not drinking enough, you're not eating, and, of course, you're still using up energy, and so there's no point. Uh, there's, sorry, there's, um, you know, it's obvious at some point you're going to hit a wall, and uh, you did, and I certainly did on the spine. We've, we've both been through that, mm-hmm. and it's uh, quite a salutary lesson. It is. But I th- also learned the key thing is I can't believe how quickly your body recovers yes. and yes. that focus comes back. So I say, I, yeah. when we hit this at four o'clock in the morning, we had some friends at mm. a motorhome, we kind of, it was very small, mm. and, and she gave me a bacon butty. I ate the first bacon butty. Yeah. And then um, she said, I had a cup of tea. And I gave me a second one. And halfway through it, I said, I can't eat anymore. I just need to lie yeah, down. Yeah. And the floor of this small, small motorhome was just like full of bags and all sorts of foods and hmm. whatever. And I just lay on top of it. And, I, and at that point, I thought, there's no way I can move again. And it's amazing that in an hour later, yeah. Yeah. I was stood outside fully tugged up with my head touch on in the pitch black and a blowing a gale bl- wind and rain was howling and i was like yeah i'm ready for this again yeah and yeah. it's amazing how, it how your body just kind of yeah. recovers yeah. from shivering freezing you no know, yeah. dehydrated and hungry to i'm ready to go with this again yeah. it is um, it is really amazing yeah anything else then john apart from food water 
Um, what else did you learn? I think that's it, really. Mm. Do you know, um, <laughs> I, I'm really pleased that my feet held up. Actually, you know, my feet held up as well as it on my my, my my training walk. So there was no more. I I had very few blisters, no mm. couple of very small blisters on. I was very impressed by that. Um, I actually binned my shoes this morning because mm-hmm. I thought I, I started off the start of the year, did all my training in there, and uh, I was quite a, a therapeutic as kind of um, I, I binned um, I binned my shoes as I don't want to see them again, and I, I bought a new pair and I'm ready to start again on a fresh pair. So that was quite a um, yeah. So yeah, and just stick with what you know. You know, mm. um, keep warm. You no, know, keep your hats on. Keep your gloves on. You no, know, don't be scared of stopping. Um, I think that's the key things, isn't mm. it? Really, mm. um, yeah. And that's all really good advice. Just if you're going out for a, for a, an ordinary day walk, um, never mind taking on some huge. One other little thing challenge. as well is is, and again, this is a, a mistake, schoolboy mistake. Really, was my head torch. I didn't know how long the batteries would last for. Mm. And then if I'd done a lot of training walks that performed very very well, I actually never changed my batteries. But actually, two and a half hours into my night, I had to, I had my spare batteries, so I had to change them. But actually, why did I just change my batteries and start like I should have put brand new batteries in that would have lasted no 14, 16 hours? But instead, I just kind of well, my head torch is brilliant, off I went, and then I was like literally no two or three hours into darkness, and mm. suddenly I'm I'm faffing around and yeah. down a hedge in a windy, wet, horrible ten o'clock at night on a Saturday night, changing head torch batteries and. That was stupid, like really. And actually, you're cold, you're figgly, you shouldn't be doing things like that. And there's also the question about how do you see to change your head torch batteries? Turn the head torch off. Well, I actually stayed there was a campsite or a caravan site I was walking through, and there was a public toilet block with a light outside, and they're underneath it, like they're all caravans watching the football or whatever they're doing, and they're huddled under changing my head torch batteries. And I just thought to myself, I've talked a lot about, you know, you say when you've been doing long distance trails, mm. you change your G- GPS batteries on, on your sat map when you come across it. I kind of said, I tell so many people to do that and I didn't do it. Yeah. And and like, yeah. what, a, what a stupid a thing. A simple, very simple thing that just like, wasted time and could have been a problem as Exactly well. right, where I should have just yeah. changed them, known that, and even just thought, well, the batteries are pence, no, the pounds yeah. of that. I should have yeah. just thrown away, start with fresh batteries, know I'm going to get through the night, have my spare batteries just in case. Um, but yeah. again, I mean, that was one of the things I learned last year on the spine was change the batteries regardless. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much power you think is in, just change them because, as you say, two hours into the next section and yeah. it suddenly starts to go dark, It's you've created a problem that's really not necessary. And then once you hit that problem, <clears throat> that's what doubts all the time. No, yeah. You're kind of going along going, is my head test getting dimmer now? Is my, oh, you think, oh, John, you've just changed your batteries. So actually... Because that was the only real problem. You kind of start doubting mm. and questioning on 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 that where where it didn't need to be really. I think when you're doing any sort of outdoor activity in particular, it's it's always the small, the little things that go wrong that then um, start to create other little problems. And then when you've got a series of little problems together, then you get a big one. It's like you saying, "Well, I'm just changing the batteries, but actually it's wet and it's cold, and now I'm getting cold." So not only I've got to change the batteries. I've got to deal with the cold as well. Yeah, and then all the problems start to build up, and then you start to think, "Oh no, you know, I'm I'm going to yeah. have to bail out here because I'm on my last set of batteries." Yeah, yeah. Which I thought would be yeah. Yeah. so. so yeah. It's little things like that, I think you learn, don't you? So it absolutely fantastic that you've completed that personal challenge. 
John, 62 miles. Um, but there'll be people listening here who think, oh, that's just far too much for me at the moment. But they may be able to set their own challenge. Maybe it's only 10 miles, 20 miles, maybe even more. Um, have you got any advice for anybody that just wants to start to extend what they can do and and to be able to undertake that in a kind of safe way as well without going the full hog and thinking, oh, I must go and walk 60 miles? Which... Well, it goes back to the original question was your training. You know, yeah. I, I, didn't, I, I set out to do 62 miles. I never walked 62 miles in my life. And I... I learned what I had to do to that distance so it is that kind of breaking everything is breaking down life is mm. problem solving isn't it so yeah. you're, you're, I want to get to this and therefore you start off and, and do it and actually have that it's that determination you know, it, it, it sounds terrible but you've kind of got to be selfish yeah. because actually you know when you get home as we yeah. did during lockdown here yeah. and I, I kind of I'll, I'll work on Saturday morning I'll get home at 10 o'clock drop the post off so he gets that products on yeah. Monday morning and, and, and go home and, and just always oh, sit in the garden say so no I need to go for a training walk oh come on just sit and do this no I need to, I need to just go and do 15 miles and you kind of go right okay off you go and you then go off at 10 o'clock in the morning get back at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 5 o'clock in the afternoon it is quite selfish it is, yeah. Because you kind of, but but then that builds that confidence in it that you know what to do. Um, and for me, I never, I've never mentioned this earlier on, but I, I mentioned earlier on that, like one of the train walks, I've always had this bad ankle, mm. and that was always on my mind all the time. Do you know, I kind of, I had a, um, a motorcycle accident um, four years ago, and and I, I, something happened to that. I don't know what happened, and and. My ankle has never been the same. You know, I would go over on it. I struggle with it. I protect it by walking with poles. And I kept thinking all the time, you know, all the time when he says, if my ankle holds up, if my ankle holds up, if my ankle holds up. And it did. And that was the biggest plus, really. And in all my training walks, I kept thinking, no, like, it would occasionally go and i go, God, damn that ankle. But actually, but, but by building the training up, the confidence up, that never became a, a problem. And once I did the walk and I got no 30, 40 miles into it, I thought, well, why why did you ever worry about it? But it just shows that, you know, just work through those problems, mm. understand what you're doing. Kids, you know, again, I was obsessed with, you know, time, how long I was taking walks, the speed I was walking at, where I could walk quick with poles, how I could do it. And speaking to guys like you, you know, I, I speak to you an awful lot about things you've done and, and, and you can say, don't stop, no stop, don't keep going, you know, get that. And that was for me, get time in the bank, get time in the bank. And then I can say, actually, I can't stop for two hours because I'm ahead of myself so far, hmm. rather than actually, I don't want to be chasing, I don't want to be chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, if you, if you want to do something, you know, build up slowly, um, but you've got to work at it. It's not going to happen, is it? You've got to just work at it and make it into a fund, you know, again, yeah. Yeah. make it into a, a good fun experience yeah, yeah. if yeah it, yeah it's type two fun yeah <laughs> it doesn't seem fun at the time only afterwards um but yeah you're absolutely right absolutely right and just things like you know like your kit you know get used mm. to what you're wearing you know like yeah. your rucksack becomes that second nature you know get yeah. used to 
you know, things I've did like over the training programs, you know, I've got everything in aquapacks in my rucksack. Yeah. I know that one aquapack's got my hat and my waterproofs in, one's got my gloves, this in, that. And so as I go in and look at the aquapack with that, bang, straight away I can get my hat, I can get, I'm not scratching around, you know, everything's there. I know you, I can, I, everything in the rucksack is exactly the same place. Now I know what's at the bottom in your first aid kit, my refuge cells, yeah. I know. So you can go at any point and say, I need this, I need this, I need this, I know where my blister plaster, I know where my Vaseline that I carry with me. And it's just become second nature. So when you are doing it, you're not faffing on. You just yeah, kind of—it's it's efficiency, isn't it? Uh, really? Yeah, and that's where you lose all the time, and it is frustrating as well. Um, and uh, I think that's certainly true. And I know myself; I'm training for another challenge walk at the moment. And you—you you have to train with the kit that you're going to use. There's no point using completely different kit because it will perform differently, and you, you won't understand how it works um and it's that confidence in your kit as well yeah, isn't it it's that confidence, confidence of i've yeah. walked in this it's, it's second nature isn't it yeah. it's that it's like putting a football yeah. strip on isn't it it's, yeah. it's, it's you know this is what's going to and when you're doing something like you've just done you don't want the distraction of of kit that you've not used before or you're not familiar with or you've started to change where kit is in your rucksack it's just a distraction that you don't need you know it's so funny because actually the only thing I've, <coughs> i i thought i had lost was i i got some fantastic gloves which were superb and I, when i was unpacking my kit going yeah. i've lost a glove yeah. and that, it's like losing a friend this glove has been through so much with me <laughs> and, it's, it's, and, I'm going, and i go well it's just about no no these, yeah. these are my gloves you're lucky gloves and uh, <laughs> it was just actually with my daughter last night and i said my gloves oh yeah it's a glove in the back of my car oh i know i'm, I'm gonna be searching for this blooming glove but it just becomes such a part of your yeah. and actually for me it's like that challenge is over with i can i can start again so i'm quite excited to not walk in that gear I can start yeah. again in something fresh. And um, it's quite interesting. Actually, in the last 24 hours, Berghaus have been and said, will I test some new gear for them? Right. And, and uh, as new products come into market, will you test it? And I kind of go, I'm really quite excited to have not my normal <laughs> gear to try different gear and just to learn and see what I like. So you've crossed the line now, John, into the world of being the sponsored athlete. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> I've got, I'm quite concerned now because I've got to sign a non-disclosure agreement because it's all new models. Yeah, so I want sure, to do sure. my selfies. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to take the old <laughs> stuff off. Because <laughs> if you look at my Facebook, there's always a picture of me yeah. with about a red jacket and something. Going, yeah. well, actually, how can I do this? I've got 2021 yeah. um, yeah. gear on and I'm not allowed to do it. Yeah. So. So uh, when we talked last time, John, I did um, I did say that once you've done this kind of thing, it does tend to get under your skin a bit. Um, so I am curious to know, uh, although we're only what less than a week after your, your challenge walk has, has been completed, have you already started to think about doing something else? Do you, is that something you're going to, do you know what? to kind of do? It is, 100%. The thing is, you get to a stage where you've done so much work yeah. It's like it's like somebody's given up smoking, yeah. but I'm not. I wasn't a smoker, but it's like you've done this so much work to do it. Why stop it? <laughs> it's that. It's this. No. It's this. Yeah. It's, it's this. No. I've not walked since last Sunday. And I'm really excited to be out this Sunday. So mm. actually, no. I'm planning to get out. I can't wait to get out walking again and get yeah. back out. Um. So going back to the original question, okay. what do I want to do? I'm. I'm I want to do longer than 62 miles in 24 hours because I think I, I, I can. So I, I want to try and do you no know, up mm. to 70 miles in 24 hours. 
Um, harder terrain because again it was down the Northumberland coast which is fairly easy terrain so um, the one I know um, mm-hmm. the train steal the day like I used to know St Cuthbert's Way 67 yeah. miles I'd like to do that in trying to do that in 24 hours over some quite hill ground yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed having my friends around me um, when I did it and the support vehicle but I would like to do it on my own I would like to be self-sufficient yeah. I think that's the next yeah. challenge as well just to carry everything with me just to sleep under the stars if need be um, and then the positive thing hopefully next year I would like to do some more in the summer rather than everything during the winter so I'd like to kind of do like set, maybe St Cuthbert's Way next May or next June when the nights are long um, and then do something a little bit longer I know we've talked a bit about Spine Challenge but I've looked at a few other events I, I think I, I would love to do something like that I think it's a it's a new uh, forte in my life it's my, maybe my midlife crisis but um, <laughs> it's something I would like to do and and, and see if I and I keep going back to you know everybody kept saying was doing like look at the speed you're walking at I cannot believe you're, you've walked 50 miles at over 3 miles an hour average and I kind of go actually that's relatively quick so I'm, I'm yeah I'm made to walk so why not utilize it really well john that's absolutely fantastic and i'm really pleased to be able to talk to you about your walk um and i know when you talked to me uh, after the spine race last year i found it really helpful just talking to you Mm -hmm. it does help process everything that you went through and hopefully the listeners have found that really interesting and take up their own challenge however long that is yeah and it is very humbling. I must thank everybody because, again, no, we did newsletters went out at no just before we started. And there was a lot of people, and again, this this amount of money that we've raised, you no know, over six thousand pounds. When you look, it's just under three hundred people have given money, yeah. and and again, yeah. that is so. I, I don't think I'll ever be able to do that again because actually, it it was a one off. It's that first time you've done yeah. something, yeah. and 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 I don't want to turn into this person who's asking for money all the time for yeah. charities. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I will never be able to replicate that. But I am very humble that, you know, some of the messages, you know, you get from people when you're doing it. And it was quite nice to be able to, you know, when I've seen you do events and, and we, we always joke about, you know, watching the spot on the map. I know how addictive it is. And it was lovely to introduce people to this addictive nature <laughs> of watching someone on a computer screen or your mobile phone yeah, of where the, they are. From the comfort of their <laughs> front room. <laughs> so... And, and, and it's mm. so funny because when I've spoken to people after, you know, mm. my parents and my wife's parents yeah. and this kind of thing, they go, oh, we went to bed and we took the phone to you. We got up in the morning to see where you are. And I kind of go, I know exactly what you do because actually mm. I do that when I've been watching yeah. other friends do events. So it's been really nice to introduce the non-long distance walker yeah. Yeah. to this obsession yeah. Yeah. of, of, of spot, watching. spot watching, of seeing where they are. So yeah. that, that was been, and again, what I'm very concerned is that a lot of these things you'll never be able to replicate because now you've done it. Mm. So they they will be bored of this by the time you do this four or five times, unless it's something mammoth yeah. in the future. Yeah. So it's something I'm very aware you will not be able to replicate mm. um, going forward. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, and, and, and I, I say this wholeheartedly, you know, we spoke a lot about this, mm. you know, and about, and, you know, you have been in space, and, and to kind of keep going and, Keep keep working at it, and anybody can do it. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm absolutely it. convinced anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm kind of like I do 
if I do something, I do it well, no, whether it's work or whether it's mm. whatever. And I think it shows, and I, like, I, I, when, when I started this idea of doing it, you know, people around me say, you don't have the time to do that, John. Because actually, you know, you work, you no, know, I work seven days a week, I never switch off, you no, know, I'm, I'm, I'm delivering courses here, there and everywhere. But actually, you make time and you do it, and when you have that deadline, you do it, mm. which therefore, I, I know, but one thing you said actually this week is the problem is though you completely reevaluate what a long distance route is. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, right. traditionally, I, I'll go, but yeah. ah, I've been under an eighteen twenty mile walk. Well, yeah, actually, now it's a big walk. <laughs> it is a big walk, <laughs> and now you're sitting there going, really? That's, that's, that's not. Kind of... <laughs> That's a stroll. <laughs> That's a stroll. So you do your boundaries completely change, they isn't do. it? They do. They it's do. it's like yeah, I suppose it's yeah. the yeah, it's like anything, isn't it? You kind of you always strive to do better. But once that boundary's been pushed so far, a six or seven mile walk is kind of I'm shrugging my shoulders not very good on the podcast, but is it's not there, is it really? It it's not, but it's not to take away from the fact that you can still have as much enjoyment with a six or seven mile walk, you know. Um, but you're right in terms of what you think is a long walk is, and what you're capable of, mm-hmm. completely changes. Mm-hmm. Completely mm-hmm. changes. And I love it. It's a wild I love seeing your or our bodies being so at a low, but how quickly they recover. I did it a few years ago, I walked mm. the Hayden's Wall Path many years ago with two great friends in three and a half days where we did 26 miles, 29 mm. miles. And I remember at the end of my third day of 29 miles, I thought I could not be able to walk the next day. And I, and I felt I woke up in the night and felt my body recovering. And I, I didn't go up to 100%, I went back to maybe 80% and we, we bottled on and did it. And I've never experienced that for years. Mm. And it was lovely to experience that again, that you no, know, like, I can't continue. I'm exhausted. My body is telling you to stop, and and in my case, in an hour, an hour and a half, you went, wow, it's amazing, isn't it? You know what the body is made sure. of to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's like the elite athlete that runs a London marathon and then has an interview and is on breakfast television the next morning. Do you know, like the rest of us have a week off work because we're exhausted, aren't we? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see that. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much, John. Okay, so I take over my you own do. podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> I get my own podcast back. And finally, many thanks for listening to this special GPS training podcast. If there's anything you would like to cover in future podcasts, please do get in touch. Please do get in touch with ourselves here at GPS Training, especially if you're thinking about buying a new outdoor GPS unit. Please do take a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our online training courses. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on GPS Training Courses. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to. And if you can leave us a snazzy review, that is always appreciated. Very, very, very big thank you, Paul, for joining me on uh, this special podcast. Absolute pleasure, Jim. And um, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a it's been a good one, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be another few years before somebody else indeed for my own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and if anybody's got any thoughts or feedback, please do drop us an email. If anyone wants to, um, yeah, speak to either of us, as Paul and I are always very open. No, yes, drop absolutely. us an email, and um, and yeah, I hope it inspires you to go and do something yourself. We can both recommend it yes. and uh, just set that target. We'll keep working through it and we achieve our objectives, don't we? 
Thank you very much to every guys, and it's very much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.